everybody. My name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. In fact, you're listening to the first, the inaugural episode of 2021. Unfortunately, we've already had what many news organizations are calling in the U.S. an assault on the Capitol, which is like, you know what's bad when shit starts um, sounding like a, uh, a unreleased Star Wars novel chapter, it's it's never good. Um, I also, my um, crowning achievement around this is really just the tweet I sent out that just straight up said, we hope you've enjoyed the pre- our presentation of the... <laughs> of the of the season finale for 2020, which unfortunately had to be delayed because of COVID concerns. <laughs> just the biggest ellipses ever and just fuck. Um, but thank you for listening to my top five. That's the, if I'm totally honest, that's the first time I've ever really gone into the idea of doing a top five at all. Um, but so I, it was, it was a fun thing for me to do, but, uh, thank you also for, um, listening to looking to the future. I'm still working on a lot of those ideas that I listed in that, um, in that podcast, because, you know, um, hindsight 2020 and, intentions are always brighter in the past so there you go but this week i want to talk about a show that took everybody by storm kind of and that show is jujutsu kaisen Now, Jujutsu Kaisen was a was a oddity of a um show of a shonen jump manga because and the reason why I say it was an oddity is because 
Horror mangas don't usually work unless they go all the fucking way. Unless they go just bananas with it immediately. And the thing about Jujutsu Kaisen is it notably doesn't. And I think I think it's better for it. Because if you look at the just like horror manga, the horror like the horror mangas people know like Uzumaki, like um basically anything Jinji Ito had ever done. Um except for that weird manga about cats that he's doing or finished with, I don't know, but that's even about cats plotting to kill you. Um, is when they latch on to horror, horror is such a pacing thing, and it is so... Horror is contingent on you not being able to flip to the end of the book. Basically. One of the reasons why horror works so well as a genre in film is because film is what's called a passive... I've talked about this before. It's what's called a passive medium of entertainment which means that you are letting the entertainment take you for a ride basically you you are essentially agreeing to sit every time you watch a movie you're essentially agreeing to sit in a roller coaster guided by that movie it can make you laugh it can make you cry whatever you are on that roller coaster but Jujutsu Kaisen so Jujutsu Kaisen had the problem of having to deal with um, manga, uh, the like manga problem of suspense, which means that at any point someone could either read too quickly or um, just straight up skip to the end and ruin the suspenseful nature of horror that horror has and horror has such control of this is this is what makes um the first episode really the entirety of um promised neverland work as a thing is that it's so good at being so creepy and so suspenseful constantly and and it does that by like all kinds of using all kinds of different dynamics that are real and imagined um, to great effect. But the thing that Jujutsu Kaisen doesn't do that um, it does that, um, let's say, something like um, Boogie Pop Phantom, for example. And Boogie Pop Phantom had a, uh, had a much newer iteration called Boogie Pop and Other, which is worlds better and worlds more interesting than its, um, like, early 2000s anime adaptation, which is, to be clear, very dog shit. <laughs> um, is that it... Boogie Pop Phantom didn't never really... engages in a fight, ever. And it it's so... It has a self-seriousness that it can't... It's that it can't escape. And Jujutsu Kaisen doesn't do that. Jujutsu Kaisen wants... Hey, Jujutsu Kaisen is like an intensely... In a way that's almost... 
in a way that's really unique, I think. It is an intensely modern anime. What I mean, uh, contemporary, uh, excuse me, I'm an art student, I know better. It is an intensely contemporary anime. And what I mean by that is much of what the anime medium puts out is informed by stuff that came way before it. And you don't... It's not this... um, It's not that they don't exist in the real world, but they don't feel like they exist in, like, a modern era and... or a contemporary era. They don't... They feel like... So there's a great... I don't... I forget who the YouTuber who did this is, but he did this essay all about... the idea of cell phones in entertainment. And he posed this idea that cell phones in entertainment are representative of a of a kind of like sadness. Like whenever you see characters interacting with their phones, it's just like generally speaking and this isn't this isn't the like an absolute this is just a general like it's probably true that if you see a character pull out and look at a cell phone, it's not for good reason. And, um, the weird, um, the weird movie I watched on a plane once that involves Adam Sandler and, like, low-stakes teen melo... It's like a mumblecore low-stakes teen melodrama movie, but Adam Stanley's an adult parent character in it. And that movie probably... I, I forget what it's called. I'll ask Larry and get back to you. <laughs> but that movie, more than any other movie I've seen, um, it... It expresses that kind of sadness through the interactivity of cell phones thing. Another great version. Another great version of that is um, actually the uh, especially the first season of House of Cards. When you see those characters use their cell phones, it like they're never they're never getting good news from their phones. They're always getting bad news from their phone. And what what I'm getting at here is, if you look at a show like My Hero Academia. That's a show that's supposed to exist in the modern era, so to speak. In the, in, in that's supposed to be happening now. But there's not much that makes it have to happen now. It could happen five years ago. It could happen ten years ago. There's not much that super informs that opinion. There's not much that super, like, links it. To now. Whereas in Jujutsu Kaisen. It feels like all this stuff is happening now. Um, the main character. Uh, what's uh, The main character. He, he has this. The, 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 ma- the main character. Um, Yuji. 
the main character Yuji has this obsession with Jennifer Lawrence that feels very like, oh, this dude loves Jennifer Lawrence. This this attaches him to immediately now. This attaches him to he follows Jennifer Lawrence on TikTok. And you see the characters using like their cell phones and that helps the show feel more grounded and helps you feel more connected to the world and the characters than you could because this is a not only a horror show, but it's a show that's rooted in like mysticism and um and like urban legend and ancient Japanese mysticism and urban legend and it it, it refers to people who are bad. Um, basically they're all shamans and it's referred to bad shamans as literally being curses. And that tur- and that whole dynamic turns the show into something more than a horror show and makes it pretty enjoyable to watch with a few notable exceptions, which I'll get to, and I don't mean like exceptions as an episode. I mean exceptions, exceptions as in the production points of the show, unfortunately. And I think, first off, I don't think this needed to be a a um, a Crunchyroll original, although I know it's a Crunchyroll co co production. It's part of the reason why it was pushed on you so much. If this, but in contrast, I think if this wasn't a a Crunchyroll production, like Copro, this wouldn't have been pushed on you. It just wouldn't have. It wouldn't have the same kind of reach. It wouldn't have the same kind of popularity. It would just be in the pilot shows we got last season. I think, yeah, last season. And it, but because it was. It was elevated to this point that is just like it was. It it was more. It is. It has had kind of like market saturation in the same way that um, something like Shield Hero or um not as much as God as God of High School, which is just a, which God of High School is a is a fight scene that they stretched out too much. Um, <laughs> But, um, it it got that promotional push, which it which I think is good for the show because I think the show is doing interesting things, especially with its adult characters and its like primary female characters, because <sighs> shonen properties tend to have this, and I know this wasn't um the manga's intent in Naruto, but they tend to have this problem with female characters. In that and and I saw and actually I'll use this as a perfect example. Um if you've seen Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four and you were looking forward to seeing that movie, um first off I'm sorry. It's a ter- it's a it is a it is a terrible movie. But it is mostly a terrible movie because of one key factor. They switched directors. And they switched directors from a female director 
who is directing the first Wonder Woman from a very truly female point of view to a male director who has not a whole lot of feel for the Wonder Woman universe and the Wonder Woman like thing and just couldn't bring himself to write to A write Wonder Woman the way Wonder Woman is written. Like Wonder Woman in nineteen eighty four is not the Wonder Woman you get who's a bad bitch who like kicks ass and takes names. And stuff like Naruto especially, but even thing but even things like Bleach that don't have especially things like Bleach actually, they did a damsel move there. They did a damsel move in their first movie that I covered on this very podcast. Um they know that they have to write women or else they're making a very specific, different kind of show than they want to make. But they don't... Those women don't have much in the way of a real personality. They have traits of a personality that just kind of like... don't feel like real people. Like, um... The, it took Sakura until Sakura is still like drags through the mud, kind of rightfully so, as being a terrible character. Mostly because at this point she's just married to and has had and has had a child with a war criminal. But um, the. And then there's a Rukia issue in Bleach, and Rukia has better character moments. Um, there's a there's a bunch of Bleach female Bleach characters who are just kind of like throw away or like, hey, look at look at Tits McGee here. Isn't she fierce and powerful, but also has massive tits? And what they do, especially with um, with Nobara. In this show is really interesting because it's it's they make her this character who is not prepared to conform to what the what the show necessarily needs and that encourages her by like the second episode to be her own character and be her own like badass weirdo self who is like pretty quick friends with Yuji but also kind of a shitbag and I can't tell you how much she warms my heart (laughs) because it is such an honest depiction of what a like teenage girl could be and it is such a, a like blowing apart of the concept that existed up until then of like she needs to be a shitbag or she needs to be this this girl is both this girl is like she has moments when she's sweet when she's concerned she's moments when she's just like I'm just here for the shopping motherfucker kind of like 
shitbag shitbaggery. It, it just and I felt bad because I felt when I was watching her, I what I immediately thought was like there'll be people who hate this show because she's in it. Like I I know that, and I just she's such a she's so much better of a female character than most shonen anime get that it's like it's not it's not even it's not even close. And then they have they and they have other female characters to like fill the role and to fi- to fill certain roles and they are slightly more along the lines of what you would expect so people still have those characters to grab have those quote unquote waifus to gravitate to but i for for my money um Nobara is far and away one of the better female characters I've seen in a while. And that that was the limited amount of time she'd been on screen, no less. Now, it's here where I want to get into... And I, I should say, before I get into my criticisms of the show, I don't think... That these things take away from the show. Actually, I want to talk about one more thing before that because it's friggin', it's kind of the best, honestly. The premise of this show is that um, Yuji is taking care of his grandpa, and his grandpa just straight up is like pulls a. The best way I can explain it is he pulls a. Well, I guess I'll die then. On Yuji, like, while he's in the room, his grandpa's just like, hey, watch out for people. You're you're good kid. Watch out for people. Help them out. And he just, like, closes his eyes and is dead. It is, it is like, the most serene fucking self-accepted passing I've ever seen. It's stunning. Um, but Yuji quickly like, hangs out with these kids in his school who are part of, like, this, like, misguided cult club. And they find this, like, cursed object. And at this point, Yuji just... Yuji is the kind of, like, has the main character syndrome of being, like, an insanely athletic and, like, good kid who is insanely strong. But he doesn't have much else going for him. And he ultimately um, meets and is told by uh, another kid named uh, Megumi Fushiguro that like, hey, we need, we need to get your friends out of danger. They have an actual real cursed object that, like, and demons are descending on the school as we speak. If they get the paper off of it, they'll get eaten alive. And one thing leads to another, and blah, 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 blah. Yuji ends up swallowing the finger, and that's where the premise of the show comes in. Yuji is now be- has now 
unbeknownst to him, become a vessel for this, um, for this basically demon lord who is called the King of Curses, and it's this demon of, it's this human who be, it's this, um, a jujutsu sorcerer who became such a big evil version of a jujutsu sorcerer, which they call Curse, where they call him the King of Curses, and he legendarily had four eyes and four arms and two legs. And so he had, he has like a huge amount of finger. He has 20 fingers, usually he's now eaten one. There are 19, there are like 19 left basically. By the, by the end of the first, by the end of the first two episodes, I want to say, there are like 14 fingers left. So plenty of fingers left, but like, to like get you through a show. But it introduces the concept that the big bad guy, the like Tagoro level bad guy of this show, is now just hanging out inside of, and occasionally his mouth pops out of the main character's body. And there's all kinds of like packs and deals made to to Yuji's um advantage and against Yuji's advantage and it it's this really interesting um treatment because they immediately transform Yuji into Sakana who is a um the like evil cursed demon dude and you see his power, and then you see the like uh, the other major power of of the of this show, who is um who is Sartori Gojo, and Sartori Gojo is a jujutsu sorcerer who is like massively he is he is like it, it, it's like he is Yusuke. From you, from um, Yu Yu Hakusho, from the very end of that show when he's like a deadbeat manning a noodle stand, transported to this universe, he just gives no shits, is super strong, and is like all powerful basically in that first in um that for in that second episode I believe, and one thing comes to another, Yuji ends up becoming a Jujutsu Sorcerer because he is going to be the vessel of Sakana and because Gojo basically says, like, hey, kid, you can either die now or you can live, help erase this thing from the world, and then die. And, of course, the kid's just... And, and like, Gojo at that point is like, and maybe we'll figure out how to not kill you. <laughs> like, maybe by the time you get all the fingers, we won't have to super murder you with magic power. <laughs> um, and then the show kind of goes on from there. Now, what, what, the reason why I wanted to do that before I get into my kind of picadillos with this show, which I want to be the second half, and I want to be clear. My picadillos with this show 
do not interfere with me liking it. I like it a lot. And I think that most people will probably really enjoy it because it's a really fun, really interesting, really... I won't say unique, but uncommon treatment of a bunch of the things it's doing. Including Japanese mysticism, including the, like, supernatural high school look, all that shit. The biggest weird thing about it is, though, that they very quickly assemble, like, like um, an Injustice Bad Guy League out to, like, get Shakana on their side or remove Gojo from play or... Those are the two objectives. Get Sakana on their side and just take take Gojo out, if not disable him from using his, like, infinite freaking, um... infinite territory, whatever the hell he's called. They, um, call his, um... like, magic expansive universe. And I think, and it's it's this repetitive, it's this repeated thing of bad guys think they're hot shit, then they encounter Yuji and like, uh, I can have fun beating this guy up, and then they encounter Sakana inside of Yuji. Because they step, they like accidentally step into Yuji's territory, which at this point in the show is just Sakana's territory. And Sakana's like, I let the kid hang out in here because technically it's his body. But like, why the fuck are you here? Uh uh-uh. uh. Slice in half. And it, it becomes kind of rote. As much as I like the character of Sakana and as much as I like the coding of Sakana as when he takes over Yuji, of Yuji just becomes a fucking D-tier gangster rapper <laughs> wearing mom jeans and covering like tattoos. Very funny. <laughs> to me at least. And that actually brings me to my next um to my next kind of picadillo with this show. And that is a lot of the, and that is that a lot of Hey was made about Jujutsu Kaisen and its soundtrack. And while Lost in Paradise does a lot of heavy lifting, you'll hear it, you will certainly hear that at the end of this show, um, because I need to use it twice in a row for the fucking end of the year and the beginning of the year, um... But Lost in Paradise does a lot of heavy lifting. That is an amazing, like, funky hip-hop song they came up with for the end of that show. But they talked to... But they talked such... They talked up such a big game about the hip-hop influences of this... Of the show's soundtrack that... Leave me, like, noticeably disappointed with every episode that I don't get to hear any of it. Now, I'm not saying that you need to knock it out of the park and be, like, as well sound engineered as, um, as, fi- as Fire Force. Fire Force is 
like stunningly sound engineered. It is stunningly sound engineered. You can hear every part of that show whenever you fucking want to. It's amazing. And I know I'm a sound engineer stickler because, you know, I um record and edit I, I, I record and produce, you know, podcasts as my pastime, basically. Well not my only pastime. I also, you know, play Hitman badly now that I'm done with Cyberpunk seven twenty seventy seven. But the to make such a big deal out of using hip hop as a additive element to your show and then to not to for the listener not for the viewer not to hear any of it and not to experience any of it in the show itself, with the exception of once again the banger that is Lost in Paradise. It's just... It's like, why bother? Why, why, have, why have that conversation, especially pre-release? Maybe you end up having that conversation when you release the soundtrack, and people like get into that stuff, and they're like, whoa! I didn't, hear, I didn't hear this clearly in the show, but whoa! This is nice! I, it's not... I think that I think the only saving grace of it is that this show has a kind of hip hop vibe to it that is helped by its styling, its um, the uh, cast of characters who are um, Go Gojo the teacher and the head of um, the Jujutsu Academy that um, the main characters go to have very, like, from-the-streets hip-hop vibes to them, but it's not... And the uniforms also do. But it's not... The way they made it sound when you first heard about the show's soundtrack was that, like, this was an additive force in a way that it would almost, like, seep into the show's bones. And I... I don't hear enough of it, or, and there's not enough of it that has that much swag, with the with the exception of um, one of one African American character, who they introduce later, a guy named um, a guy named Ali Ali Toto. That it that it adds anything, and the. I just think that's a shame, especially since it, since they so clearly knocked it out of the fucking park with that, like, fashion illustration, hip-hop music video style um, ending credits animation, which is, like, oh my god, that's amazing if you... Ha- so, um... How should I explain this? Do you remember the ending to Blood Blockade Battlefront? Do you remember the kind of like fucking overwhelming wave of meme that that caused? That is also true 
of Lost in Paradise. They've already started doing, like, Lost in Paradise with One Piece characters. Lost in Paradise, but with Naruto characters. Lost in Paradise, but with, like... But... But with Hunter x Hunter characters. Like, they've already started doing this shit. And it's... It is fucking genius. In a way that was... That, um, the Blood Blockade Battlefront, um, ending was also fucking genius. And to not, and to not, and to have that level of soundtrack maybe be there for the rest of the show, but not be able to hear most of it, it's just like, it just makes me a little sad, because I'm just, I'm just disappointed by the fact that, like, oh, you guys, you guys clearly know what you're doing. You got the right people to write the to write this shit. I just want to hear it. And the the opening of Jujutsu Kaisen is it's decent, but the song is but the song isn't as good as Lost in Paradise is. Lost in Paradise is um. As good as flashback from that um, terrible, weird time travel anime that was on. Um, not terrible, I shouldn't say that. That weird, maybe okay time travel anime from um, a bunch of seasons back on Netflix that nobody watched. But everybody's heard um, flashback from Miami because that, that song, that song, song fucking slams 109%. Um, and it's just that in conjunction with that in conjunction with the like feeling that the story isn't as strong as I think it could be, even though it might be ramping up to there. And I know we're going into a tournament arc, and that'll be at very least interesting to see how they handle the tournament arc. They are much more in the wheelhouse of, say, something like Yu Yu Show than something like My Hero Academia, but they clearly have My Hero Academia set up going for a tournament arc. That'll be interesting to see how that goes, just, just like, functionally. But the, like, big set... But that could they could stretch it out to be an entire core of the show. The actual story doesn't grab me as hard as I would like it to. I think that the the interesting parts of the story are when you hold when you kind of use Yuji as a mirror to other characters like the um the the um what's his face the the kind of the, and and that's the other thing and see they kind of stunted the emotional heart of that show in that they go into an arc with um Yuji. With Yuji and I forget the character's name, but the character who has one eye who has one eye covered, and they 
basically say, and they ba they present Yuji and this character as being two people who were once on the same path, and then their paths were forced apart at a fork. And that can be a really that can be a really fascinating thing to do in a shonen show. Um, it, I keep making I keep making references to Yu Hakusho because Yu Hakusho has a it is responsible for a lot of the things that you need in order to make something like the Jujutsu Kaisen, I think. And one of the things that Yu Hakusho did fantastically, amazingly, is it showed you that Yusuke, first off, in the first, the first big feeling, Yusuke and um, Tagoro were, were of this, were cut from the same cloth. It's why that it's why that otherwise pretty rote, um, hero antagonist relationship is so compelling. It's because you, there was always the possibility that Yusuke could turn into Tagoro. And there was always the possibility that Tagoro at some point could have drifted, could have had a couple things not happen to him and he could have been Yusuke. And then they've reinforced that further when they introduced Sensui, who's straight up just an ex-spirit detective who's pissed at the spirit world. And it's a really interesting... I wish I could remember the character's name. I feel bad because that's like how they treated the character in, um, in the show. But he, he's just this kid who is repeatedly shit on and his life sucks and the only, the only part of his life that doesn't suck is his relationship with his mother, which usually says like, hey, you should value your mom. She's embarrassing and she's weird and she probably smokes and drinks too much, but she's your mom and she clearly really cares about you. And then this poor kid his um the like high his high the bullying of his high school steps too far they put a sakana finger in his house and a demon eats his mother like eats his mother from the bot from like the belly button down and that's what causes him to go bad and that's what causes him to be ultimately manipulatable by like the bad guys of this show and they, what they should, what I think they should have done is they should have made the, they should have made that a central thing and at least, and he probably comes back. I have no doubt that he probably comes back as a character because he, he is so central to the story, but they, to, he is so central to, the thing that they're trying to do with Yuji as a character in the story, as the main character in the story, they kind of remove him from play really fucking quickly. 
And it just, it seems like a waste of that story beat. Like an immediate dismissal of that story beat. And I'm sure that there will be a, um, a, a like, a reversal of his demonizing or, or like, transformation or whatever in the coming in the coming chapters or whatever or it probably already has happened but it doesn't it didn't feel as emotionally rich as it could have and i i think that and i think that their need for I think that there could have been this. They they could have turned it into a cliffhanger and not felt the need to have a big climactic battle, and that. I think the points at which Jujutsu Kaisen has been the most fun have not been when they get into fights. I think it's when the main characters get into fucking beatdowns. <laughs> Like when, when you're introduced to like the volcano head guy and he sets that entire family restaurant on fucking fire, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's a piece of shit." And then like, in the same episode or in the next episode, you just see him get head decapitated by Gojo immediately. It's so satisfying. Because what they what they did there was they set they didn't set the stakes of this guy is really strong, they set the stakes of this guy this guy's a piece of shit this guy's a bad dude this guy's a curse you don't need to care about him in fact you should root for him to die and then they give it to you they just give it to you and when they like I know they have to have a power curve so they can have like shonen power creep up the wazoo. I get it. I get it. But it's it's not as satisfying when you when you have that um when you have the kind of extreme power on display already. And I would bet if you went and looked at something like um Say, okay, let's say, let's say you look at, um, the Hidden Mist Bridge arc from Naruto. The first na arc of Naruto where Naruto and the gang leave the Hidden Leaf for a mission. When Kakashi, um, when Kakashi takes Naruto, Sakura, and Sasuke out in the field. And it goes bad, and they run into Zabuza. And you see, and you see this difference in power between Zabuza and um, and the like Genin kids. You, and you even see a difference in power between the Genin kids and Haku, Zabuza's like partner, slash apprentice, but mostly, you know surrogate child. I, and then it rises to the point where you have to, where like, you realize like, oh shit, we're going to see Kakashi go hard for the first time in this show. And it becomes this, 
it becomes this like epic moment but you're not given that epic moment before you're given a moment for Naruto and Sasuke and Sakura to all shine but also and this is important in this thing Naruto and Sakura and Sasuke all still shine. They all still kick ass. They all still help. Ultimately, Kakashi gets trapped in a water bubble, can't breathe, and Naruto, Sakura, and Sasuke like conspire, concoct a really good plan to get him out of there. And it doesn't feel like you're seeing ultimate power before you get to see the main character kind of have a hard fight. I think I think at so many points in Jujutsu Kaisen so far, we have seen that kind of like ultimate destructive power of the good guys or even the bad guys. I mean the um the the fight in I think the third episode between um, between Fushiguro and and like Yuji after Shakana is taking had taken over, it's so brutal. It's so brutal that you're like, oh shit, this he can just do this, and you're told there's you're told there's consequences to it. To, to him doing that, and you, like, see that in reality, but you don't... How should I put this? Your lizard brain doesn't think that when you're seeing, like, Sakana just, like, flick Fushiguro through a tree. Your lizard brain is like, badass. This is this got badass. We're, we're in, like, we're, we're in a fight now. This isn't a fight. This is a fucking beatdown. How's this gonna end? And then you see this, like, struggle of a final battle. And that's... But then... But it's one that is also just immediately decided, or or almost immediately decided, by that same power that kicked Fushiguro's ass about ten episodes ago. It... There's a misuse of timing and, and like, order and misordering of events, I think, happening. Or or, or the spirit of events that, that I think happens. I, I think that if... I think the thing with the um, fight between... Um, Shakan and Fushiguro both times need to happen. But I also think that, like, they could have gotten to the point where, um, what's his face? Um, Gojo pulls his, um, pulls his blindfold up and you see his, like, you see his fucking stunning jewel-like eyes and they could have cut and they should have they could have just cut they could have not shown you the rest of it 
and they could have had him like show back up somewhere and you're like, oh, he he's alive. Okay. Something happened there. And then you create this mystery of like, what can he do that no one can do? And it becomes more interesting. And it also saves you from seeing another like good guy good guy favoring beat down before you have before you have to have a climactic big emotional fight that for for timeline and plot reasons can't just be that and i just between that and the like like disappointment of the soundtrack in in the in the interstitial part of the where the interstitial songs would go it just it just it just didn't it didn't hit directly on the mark for me now i'm not saying i didn't have tons of fun watching it i watched every episode i had tons of fun watching it but i just I wonder if this show would be as ultra popular as it's become if it didn't have the Crunchyroll marketing arm behind it, which is now considerably big. And to once again, Crunchyroll's part of a mega corporation. Um, this time Sony. Um, but because you look at some, you look at this, and then you look at something like um, Fire Force, for example. Fire Force is significantly smaller in like popularity in popularity terms, but it has a lot of similar stuff going on for it. And I just, I know it's a better crafted show. It just, it's a, and granted. It is not within the Shonen Jump formula set of things. It's in the, um, the, uh, what's it called? Um, the, I think it's Katakawa, um, set of, the Katakawa set of, like, Shonen thing, Shonen, um, storyline set, which is a different thing entirely, but I just, And and who knows? Maybe the next core will be way better produced. It will be way better sound engineered, and the um, setting of a tournament arc, so to speak, will be more conducive to be more interesting to to make the like necessary shonen fights more interesting than they are. Because what the most interesting thing about I think Jujutsu Kaisen by a country mile is the moment when like they're running through a big cursed school in that um, the cursed womb must die episode three and four and Yuji comes across this dude who is by all accounts like uh, who's dead who by all accounts was a rapist and a serial killer basically and he Make sure to take the guy's name tag off and make sure that that gets to that guy's mother. And the mother straight up is like, 
He was accused of raping a girl. He was accused of assaulting a different girl. No one will miss him, but I miss him, and thank you for bringing his... something of his back to me. And the thing I like the most... probably the most about this show is that there are consequences for the supernatural world reaching out and touching the real world. The, the like, plain, normal human world. And... And it's not like, like, shady consequences. Like, I've alluded to Boogie Pop Phantom. Boogie Pop Phantom uh, is all about this kind of stuff, but it's all about this kind of stuff constantly happening on the margins of society and, like, people not missing those people. This is about, like, oh, my son was a shitbag, but he was still my son, and I miss him even if he got swallowed by a fucking demon hellhole. (laughs) Because I'm I'm a human person and thank you, and it when it goes out of its way to have that kind of like unusual amount of heart, and this show has more heart even than something like Demon Slayer. Um, when when it when it manages to do that, then I think it's kind of excellent. When it when it has the moment of Yuji and his new and his new very abused friend realizing um, that they are really similar and they and they would have and if they had met each other at a different point in the world they would. They, they would have been much, 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 much better friends. And it's, it's just, it's really, it's really just kind of, um, oh, he, he, here's his name. Um, Jinpei, Junpei. When you see Junpei and Yuji together in the in the beginning in the opening of the show, that's kind of the emotional heart of the show. That's thought meant to be the heartbreaking reality of the show that Yuji is forced to live with because it. There are. There are usually moments in shonen shows where they need to make they need to separate the good guy from the bad guy in a very clear and indiscriminate way. In Naruto, it's when they, he punches that. Uh, it's when he punches and then Shadow Clone destroys that um, that Genin who was working for o- Orochimaru and told him how to get the forbidden like technique scroll in the very beginning of the show in fire force i'm actually going to go to it is the moment when um arthur and what's his face the main character of fire force i'm tired and fucking gaslit from the assault on the capital i'm sorry um 
it's when they go in with their with their weapons when they go at, to extinguish an infernal and the, and um their captain is just like hey you guys outside with me now and he's just like listen you fucking idiots you shouldn't ever do this <laughs> this is disrespectful to the person who is caught on fire just of no fault of their own and also disrespectful and terrifying for these people's families. <laughs> and it it projects this heart and, and those moments create this new expectation, this expectation that you will see better from the show's hero characters than you would see not from a villain character, that's not the point, but from anyone else, from maybe even yourself. And it is about promoting the... It, I've been thinking about this for a article I want to write, but most of these shonen shows, there's, the thing is that the reason the hero is the hero is part of it is because they are more have a harder moral center than anybody else in the show. The reason why um it's so interesting that a show like My Hero Academia did is doing with the character of Endeavor, what they're doing with him is he has to be a fundamentally different person. Because as he is, he is a monster who now has to be a beacon of justice and hope for the world. And I, flame, old Mick Flamebeard Mick, Mick rapes a lot, just isn't, he isn't built for it. And the, part of the genius of um, Yu Yu Hakusho is it managed to kind of have his cake and eat it too, in that... Yusuke is a piece of shit, but he's like a good-hearted piece of shit. Like, he's an asshole with a heart of gold in a way that is really hard to pull off. Much harder to pull off than I think anybody ever gives it credit for and is so stunningly... And it's pushed even further by the fact that the... English dub of that show is so just like what if he was like one of those people like yeah he curses a lot but he's a good kid <laughs> kind of like mood to their dub and I if this show is gonna have a big grand season finale I would want to feel like it was more emotional I would want to I, and I don't feel that the, like, unregistered curse, the unregistered special grade curse guy that they fought made it feel like that. I w it would have been a better, f it would have felt better if he was fighting the same guy, if he was fighting um, Junpei instead of if he was fighting, I forget that guy's name. Instead of if he was fighting, um, instead of if he was fighting 
Manio because it just it just doesn't. The manipul the manipulator of Jinpei, the guy who manipulated Jinpei, is not the interesting part of Jinpei necessarily because the thing with the thing you're led to believe with most like manipulated bad guys who aren't really bad guys they're just somebody just got to them in a when they were in a deep deep enough dark enough place where they could birth them into doing something evil is that it's not about who's doing the manipulation anybody could really do that it's about who it's about who that per, that manipulated person is. The reason why, when they kidnapped um, the the reason why in My Hero Academia, when they kidnapped Bakugo, when the Legion of Villains kidnapped Bakugo, Bakugo was immediately, immediately like, "Fuck you! I'm not helping you. I idolize All Might just like that dweeb." Just like the dweeb who came in second place who I hate. I'm a good guy. The the thing with Bakugo's character is... And it's less... It, it's done less well than um, Yusuke. Only because it's a different show and they're trying to do a different thing with Bakugo. Ultimately that you ultimately see in the manga currently. is that Bakugo has had the kind of upbringing and Bakugo as a character has had the kind of upbringing and life experience that has given him such a strong such strong will that he won't let himself be manipulated even if it he would rather die than have that thought in his head at all. And so they just removed it from play. It was like it they put it in play for 5 seconds for you only to assuade you only to assuade you of the idea that he would ever do it. And it and also give give you some saving grace early on in that story. For a character who is the kind of bully who creates Columbine shooters, <laughs> honestly. Whereas, in the case of Jinpei, the interesting thing for Jinpei's character arc, and the and by extension the interesting thing for the show to do with that character, is as quickly as possible get him to a point where... You're seeing him come out of that depressive shell and seeing him turn into a different, turn into the kind, and seeing him and, um, and, what's it called, um, him and, uh, Yuji turn into something that resembles something like Naruto and Sasuke. In Boruto, where they have had drastically different paths and have ended up kind of being two halves of the same coin 
if the coin landed on its on its edge and one side and neither side was completely covered by darkness and i and i i know that takes longer and it takes more it takes longer than this show than this section of the show had but i just that's what i find interesting about the like jinpei arc about the jinpei stories so far and i don't think that um the special cursed guy who can transfigure things was the interesting part of that fight. But I think they got away from the interesting part too quickly. Um, on that note, if you like the podcast, I um, release new episodes every Sunday and Thursday. Um, Thursday is a usually a normal show about talking about... Uh, show like Jujutsu Kaisen or um, something like that. It is more anime show focused or movie focused. And then the Sunday the Sunday editions, as I call them, are more um, general, more metatextual, more focused on industry or fandom or something like that. Um, but you can subscribe to both because they're both in the same feed in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. And until Sunday, I have been Alex, you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you then. Break the walls, don't have been a fake, yellow, you're the cool, you know, you prove the wrong.